Welcome to Stories of Rune Terra. My name is Guy Black, or Ravenhood on the interwebs, and I'm just a humble storyteller here to draw you into the vast world of Rune Terra by Riot Games. The Riot Games community has crafted an incredible universe filled with God-defying warriors with unbreakable wills. Each week, we jump into the Riot Games universe and narrate something from the world of Runeterra off of the Riot Games universe site. Think of this whole thing as an audiobook of League stories and lore. This week's story, if you haven't guessed already, is Pantheon, the Unbreakable Spear. And now for my terrible, weak-voiced impression. Here is my eternity, a day the gods will remember. Once an unwilling host to the aspect of war, Atreus survived when the celestial power within him was slain, refusing to succumb to a blow that tore stars from the heavens. In time, he learned how to embrace the power of his own mortality and the stubborn resilience that goes along with it. Atreus now opposes the divine as Pantheon reborn, his unbreakable will fueling the falling expects weapons on the field of battle. Now for the biography of the unbreakable spear. If you guys can't tell, I have been talking a lot this week and my voice is feeling it a little bit, so I hope that it's not too bad, but we'll get through this and it'll still be good. Now for his biography. Atreus was born on the hostile slopes of Targon, named after a star in the constellation of war, known as the Pantheon. From an early age, he knew he was destined for battle. Like many in his tribe, he trained to join the Rakor's militant order, the Ra Horak. Never the strongest or the most skilled warrior, Atreus somehow persevered, standing up, blooding and bruised, after each bout. In time, he developed a fierce rivalry with a fellow recruit, Pylas. But no matter how often Atreus was cast onto the stones, he stood back up. Pylas was impressed by his unrelenting endurance, and through the blood they spilled in the training circle, a true brotherhood was born. Atreus and Pylas were among the Rakor who stumbled across a barbarian incursion, surviving the ambush that left the rest of their patrol dead. When the aspect of the sun refused to destroy these trespassers, Atreus and Pylas swore to capture the power of the aspects themselves by climbing to the peak of Mount Targon. Like so many before them, they underestimated how arduous the ascent would be, with Pylas shivering his last upon finally reaching the summit. Only Atreus remained as the skies opened, making him host to a divine aspect with the power to take revenge. But it was not a man who returned to the Rakor afterwards, spear and shield gleaming with celestial might. It was the aspect of war itself, the Pantheon. Judging Atreus unworthy, a warrior who had only known defeat, it had taken control of his body to pursue its own ends, a task it considered too great for a mortal man. 
Cast into the furthest corners of his own mind, Atreus endured only vague visions as the aspect scoured the world for Darken, living weapons created in a bygone age. Eventually, Pantheon was goaded into battle not far from Mount Targon by the Darken Aatrox, who sought the mountain's peak. Their fight raged into the skies and swept through the armies of men beneath until the impossible occurred. The Darken's god-killing blade was driven into Pantheon's chest, a blow that carved the constellation of war from the heavens. But as the aspect faded, Atreus, the man it had considered weak, awoke once more, impaled upon Atrox's blade, and with the power of the aspect's weapons dimming, he took a ragged breath and spit in the Darken's face. Atrox sneered and left Atreus to die. Hours later, as the crows descended, Atreus painfully stood back up, stumbling back to the Rakor in a trail of blood. After a lifetime of defeat, his will to live and his anger at betrayal were enough to stave off the death that had claimed war itself. Atreus recovered on Pyla's homestead, nursed back to health by his friend's widow, Eula. There, Atreus realized he'd spent his life looking to the stars, never considering what lay beneath. Unlike gods, mortals fight because they must, knowing that death lay in wait. It was a resilience he saw in all life, the threats unending. Indeed, barbarian invaders now threatened the Record's northern settlements, including Eula's farm. Though it was months before he could lift a spear, Atreus was determined to end this scourge himself, and eventually set out with the aspect's dulled weapons in hand. Yet, when he arrived, he found his sworn enemies already under siege. He knew from their cries, from the overwhelming stench of blood, they faced Aatrox. It was Aatrox who had driven the barbarians into Targon, Atreus realized. Though he'd considered them foes, they were much like the Rakor, mortals who suffered in the conflicts between greater powers. Atreus felt a cold rage at both the Darken and the Aspects. They were no different. They were the problem. Atreus put himself between the barbarians and Aatrox. Recognizing the battered shield and spear of the fallen aspect, the Darken mocked him. What hope had Atreus now without the Pantheon's power? But even though Aatrox's blows cast him to his knees, Atreus's own will reignited the aspect's spear. Upon hearing the cries of the people around him, and with a mighty leap, he struck a blow that severed the Darken's sword arm. Both Blade and Darken fell to the ground. Only Atreus still stood and watched his namesake star blaze back to life in the heavens. Though he often yearns to return to Eula's farm, Atreus vowed that day to stand against aspects, ascended, demons, and any who would wield power so great it can only destroy. Forsaking his own name, he has become a new pantheon, 
the aspect's weapons fueled by the will to fight that can only exist in the face of death. For with the divine pantheon gone, war must be reborn in man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And today's story is entitled For Those Who Have Fallen, and it is by David Slagle. When I land in the ruins of Nerimaze, it does not feel as though I have left. Celestial magic burning my path across the sky, but as if I have fallen. I am, after all, only a man. Around me, on the swirling dunes, a cohort of Rahurak fights, Solari warriors far from the temples of Mount Targon. They have marched with fifty spears three weeks into the desert, a distance I have crossed in moments, to investigate a power that grows even as their own wanes. Here, the sun they worship is so constant, it is as if the shadows of the past are still burned into the desert, their outline all that remains of an empire long lost. Buildings now covered in dunes, a sun once meant to raise men into the heavens, now dulled and fallen to earth. Shurima was born and died here. It was in Nerimaze that the first ascended were created. Meant to defend Shurima against any threat, those that outlived the Empire were driven mad by long centuries of conflict, becoming darkened and laying waste to the world before being contained. But, as I well know, some abominations birthed by Shuriman hubris live on. The sound of metal rings in my ear as a spear whips past my helm, then another, and another. The ringing rises up into a full battle cry as the Raharak unleash their might. Yet, as steel fills the sky, a blast of magic tears through the spear's path, carving a swath of destruction through the ruins. Once the dust clears, I see it. The reason I have come. A creature looms, burning and broken, like the empire it would rule. It is unlike any ascended I have ever seen. A shattered god that has claimed this fallen city and would see it rise again. But once, it too was a man. I will remind it what that means to draw breath in the face of destruction. I will remember them all. The god warrior, one of the Raharak cries. We cannot defeat it. Let me show you how a god dies 
I bellow in response, and I charge toward the creature, raising my spear. It is with their power that the spear glows, the power of the gods, the power of the stars. My muscles strain to bear the strange weight of the magic as the creature unleashes another blast from within its shattered form. My spear is not burned away as the Raharaks were, but instead it burns with its own light. It streaks like a comet at the ascended, casting it to earth and its blast into the heavens. Before me, only feet from the rent opened by the creature's blast, a Raharak cradles the body of a fallen warrior. Her own arm has been scorched by magic where she sought to shield him from the attack. You, you are an aspect, she says. Through her eyes, I can see in the desperation. She's pleading, begging me to say yes so that I can save her, so that I can save her friend. All around, the Raharak lines are broken, along with their will to fight. I do not answer as the spear is called back to my hand by the magic she so craves, its return an echo of my own thrust. The Ascended has no blood upon its tip, only sand. It possesses no flesh other than magic and stone. I want to tell her my name, that I am Atreus, that I too was once a Raharak looking to the skies for the power to save me. But that man is dead. He died on Targon's peak, along with his brother, Pylos, slain by the Pantheon and his own failures. And no matter how hard I try, I can bring neither Atreus nor Pylos back. Even the god is gone, its constellation torn from the heavens. Instead, I turn to face the creature once more. You must fight! I tell the Raharak simply, you all must. Around us, the ruined city burns as the Ascended's magic refuses to fade. I run over sand fused into glass, each new blast of magic shaking the whole world again until it feels like the earth itself must fall apart, that only the heavens will remain. But I refuse to give up. I see Ballista abandoned on the ground. The Raharak raise their shields against debris cast from the falling buildings, disappearing into dust. Fight! You must fight! I yell louder, my voice carrying more of the god's authority than I would like. And then I am an opponent, my spear slashing into the ascended, cutting across the broken stone it boasts instead of a face. This close, its blasts crash into my shield, pushing me backward. I slash again, my spear trailing magic, and again I raise my shield only just in time to deflect the Ascendant's wrath. My feet dig into the dirt. I struggle to hold the beast at bay as the magic beats into me with the Ascendant's will, made only stronger by cruelty and rage. I push against it, snarling. The power lances off the shield wildly in every direction, cutting through the ruins, the sky, and through the Raharak still cowering beneath both. My hands begin to shake. It is not to the warriors, but to myself that I growl against lungs gasping for breath. 
Fight! The creature's eyes narrow. It knows. The earth beneath me can no longer hold. My strength can no longer hold. As I fall back to earth, the magic in my spear dies, and the helm clatters from my coughing face. I spit blood into the dirt and struggle to raise my head, but all I can see is Nerimazeth, is one Raharak warrior, framed by smoke and chaos. As she looks back at me, into eyes only now revealed, and for the first time sees something other than an aspect. The man who cradled Pylos as snow formed from his dying breath. I wonder if she recognizes the stars and my destiny tattooed upon my chest, the scar that cuts through them. It is no longer pleading that shows in her eyes as I see the light grow on her face, the creature gathering power for one more blast. Though her arm is ruined and though her friend lies still, she picks up her shield and begins stumbling toward me as inevitable and determined as death. What <coughs> is your name? I cough through ragged breaths, and still the light grows brighter. Azose, she says firmly as she stands beside me and turns her shield to face the blast. The ruins fill with impossible brightness, the promises to burn everything away until it does and only darkness is left. There is no more power, no more aspect. Where Azose once stood, there is nothing, only my memory. But still, I can feel my scar throbbing with pain, reminding me I am alive. And every moment that brought me here, my brother-in-arms, Pylos, telling me to stop getting blood on his victory, the barbarian raid, each of us near death, collapsing upon Targon's pinnacle, the darkened blade cutting through death to awaken me again, Empyrean wheat clinging to the mountain, the mud on my hands as I put down the plow and pick up the spear. All of that would be nothing without a woman taking up her shield, knowing that she would not survive, but that she would fight. Her power her sacrifice, so much greater than that of the stars, so much greater than mine, and the weapons of the aspect that have kept me safe. It will not be in vain. As I struggle to my feet broken, I see the shadow of the Ra Harak emerging from cover. Eclipsing the sun disk cradled behind me at the center of the ruins, I rise with them, not as a god, but as a man, my pantheon, all who have fallen, earning me another moment, all who have lived, and all who have died, facing a moment of truth where they must decide why they fight, who they love, what they truly are. What are gods before this courage? They are nothing. Asose! I yell into the ruins, though my ribs dig into my lungs. Asose! The raw harak call back, 
they too stand amidst the rubble, their shadow looming all the larger as the Ascended gathers its magic again. And though I am broken, and though the god is dead, I feel the power ignite once more in my spear as the plume on my helm burns alight. It is calling me to battle as the Raharak cast their spears once more. And for a moment, a star lost with the constellation of war gleams brighter than the sun. Her name was Asose. difficult story for me to read which was really weird I'm sitting here with my daughter named Gwendolyn can you say hi yeah. I don't know if you guys heard that it was really quiet but man I had to pause and re-record several times reading that story there because I don't know that kind of like devotion and sacrifice in the face of in the face of un impossible odds gets me like that makes me tear up in Lord of the Rings when the Rohirrim arrive at the battle of um, Pelennor like I cry every time particularly when there's like acts of bravery and like valor that kind of stuff just gets me I'm trying to figure out why because I think it's fine but I'm just curious so anyway Whew, that was really good, and I think it's really cool, huh, Gwendolyn, that the hero of the story, Asose, that's a girl, right? Yeah. And girls can do really mighty, strong, and valiant things too, huh? You like Asose? Yeah, she's pretty cool. Can you say, I'm strong and brave? Yeah, that's my daughter. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's story of Runeterra. I know it's out a little late, but I was up really late last night recording another podcast that we'll be releasing in the next couple weeks. I'll get you a better date at next week's podcast. But it's called Gamer Alchemy, and I'm recording it with a buddy of mine. And we're essentially going to be mashing together games in different worlds. So our first two episodes, spoiler or trailer hint, are going to be what if we tried to play Dungeons and Dragons on Mount Targon in Runeterra? He and I both love League, we love the lore, we both are support mains that have loved Leona. He liked her a lot more than I do. I'm a Brom guy myself. Anyway, keep your eye out. I'll give you an announcement when that one's live and in the world. But until next week, thanks for listening to Stories of Runeterra, and we'll catch ya later. Can you say bye?